Mbulaz Gunjan. Good, 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 good. Let's start off here, I mean, uh, with the Martin Brasher and I guess the set of numbers uh, he spoke to earlier on today. Uh, 11.5% decline in uh, their profit to just over 1 billion rand and uh, I guess also taking a beating from their Zambian and Zimbabwean operation. Yes, I mean, remember these are pre-COVID numbers uh, included here. So the, the actual full effect of COVID is still not included. But remember, also... Uh, during COVID, yes, they did operate. Things might look better than the average business, but they weren't allowed to sell their profit drivers, which is things like liquor and other non-essential items like clothing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, don't expect too much from these businesses because they're not allowed to, you know, to to sell those things that are important. But looking at the tenure of uh, Richard Brecher himself. You know, he joined the business basically in 2013 or somewhere around there, uh, where the share price was 46 rand. The share price today is 50 bucks. So I don't know. You you choose if it's made a difference or not. Uh, hey. But <laughs> top line has increased mm. by 32 billion under his watch, sure. and has added over 800 you know pick and pay boxes, uh, superstores here in South Africa and Southern mm. Africa. So. Uh, you know, to a total of 1,925 stores. Mm. It's, it, it, it's nothing to... To, to, to scoff at. I mean, certainly nothing to scoff at. And, and Bulaz, I guess yeah. the, the other dimension to our assessment of his performance and the legacy he leaves behind at Pick and Pay might have to do with, uh, I guess, the cost side of things. Uh, I mean, the opening or, or the centralizing of their uh, distribution might have had an impact on uh, keeping costs down, but also... Uh, we certainly have seen here some uh, very interesting partnerships, and I think many of our listeners would be familiar with the fact now that they'll be able to find a pick-and-pay retailer close to some of the garages, you know, not far from where they live. So I think th- there are some of those things that uh, maybe, you know, if you thought of pick-and-pay 15 or 20 years ago, uh, that uh, you probably would uh, be quite uh, surprised and uh, maybe impressed by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they did those partnerships that you're talking about with the likes of Shell Garages, etc., to help basically try to move as much goods and services, you know, over a 24-hour period. It does help marginally, but yeah, he's he's done an exceptional job, like you're saying. Um, it's just that when you come as a turnaround specialist, you expect you know, things to actually turn yeah, around, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't look so well. And unfortunately, it's less to do with what he's doing now, because uh, the pandemic literally came from, you know, the left side, and mm. uh, this is where we end up. But I think... Um, the, the, the Ackerman family would be very happy with his sure, performance. Sure. Um, they, they, he also helped get rid of that pyramid structure where, you know, the family was sitting on the other side with a different class class of shares, mm. etc. Et Everyone is now holding their shares side by side with the Ackerman family. There's no longer any, you know, voting rights, confusion, etc., sure, etc. But I guess also, Bulaze, a bit more critically, I I think, um, you know, there's a lot more that uh, this particular company could and ought to have done uh, to transform our food system and uh, even from a localization perspective. I mean, I remember an interview he did a few years ago uh, where uh, he was asked, you know, what would probably be his big flashpoints or milestones when it comes to transformation. And his view was, you know, setting up these, um, you know, uh, um, pseudo-supermarkets slash spaza shops in the townships. And I think... For me, that's far short of the kind of transformation that we need, not just of retail, uh, but even upstream, uh, you know, our food system more broadly. Yeah, you know, it's very important to have the fresh products, right? Mm. You know, but within walking distance, uh, it's very important. But look, we're still very far from that. And uh, hopefully that's still a gap that these businesses could fill. Yes. Uh, working, you know, side by side with 
uh, those entrepreneurs who actually already have these puzzle shops, etc. Mm. So it's something maybe to look forward to. But right now, let's try to survive the COVID-19 yeah. and then we'll pick up the pieces once all of that is done. Hey, Mdunga, talking about survival. Uh, our friends in uh, the West African nation of Nigeria seem to be, uh, I guess, uh, uh, grappling and strangling for their own survival here after... Uh, I guess uh, historically low oil prices have certainly uh, made a massive impact on their fiscal revenues. And they're now faced with a dollar shortage here, which is having a massive impact on manufacturers. Yeah, I mean, we, Brent currently is, you know, has climbed up to $30 per barrel, but this is far from its heyday, even far from, you know, uh, its recent lows. Sorry, its recent highs uh, of around $60, $70 a barrel. So you're talking about an economy here that's, uh, it depends on oil exports. 90% of the economy just depends on it. So as soon as you switch off that plug, the, that economy is bound to collapse. But the shortage of dollars is not a new thing. Um, if, you know, if you've been to Nigeria, uh, you know that it's, it's virtually impossible to get dollars. Uh, why do you ask? The, don't they use the Naira there? <laughs> well, good luck trying to use the Nigerian Naira with outside manufacturers, I mean, etc. Right? If they use it as a you know a form of exchange for your goods and services, no one's gonna want that. Mm. So it's, it, it's not looking good on that front. Sure. As 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 it sits right now, the Manufacturing Association of Nigeria is basically talking about a backlog of over a billion dollars. Of which you know, banks such as FN, uh, sorry, FBM Quest, um, one of the top banks there, you know, has these unfulfilled, you know, um, requests, I guess, from these businesses mm. to have their money changed into dollars. Yeah, so, so that they can buy the input. Repatriate, yeah. yeah, the cash and maybe pay dividends at home, mm. maybe save the businesses at home, etc. And one of these businesses, probably some of them are businesses that operate here in South Africa, yeah. impacts of MTN? the world. MTN? MTN, exactly. That, that's definitely one of the biggest operators yeah. there. So <laughs> count them up there. Right. I want us to pause here for a second. And when we come back, I want us to continue with the story. Because uh, one of the things that uh, is quite often spoken about, at least of all in policy circles at the moment, is this idea of foreign exchange uh, swaps with the Federal Reserve. And uh, maybe you might tell us why some countries have access to that uh, swap facility. And uh, maybe countries like South Africa, to my knowledge, probably don't. We'll continue on the other side of this. Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. If you just joined us, it's our wrap of the top business stories. And I'm joined uh, to help us take a look at some of these stories by uh, Bright Kumalo uh, from Vest Act Asset Management. Now, Mbulazi, we've certainly seen for many, um, least of all emerging market uh, uh, economies, uh, a drying up of um, you know foreign exchange and in particular dollars on the back of uh, the supply and demand side shocks that we've seen with COVID-19. And some of these countries have had access... Uh, to uh, swap lines with the uh, Federal Reserve, and uh, this includes the likes of uh, uh, Brazil, Mexico, and many other countries. Uh, and uh, I guess Nigeria wouldn't have access to that kind of facility, but it's worth mentioning uh, what that uh, uh, kind of facility would mean for countries who do have access to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the old proclamation by George Orwell, you know, when the pigs took control of the government in the novel Animal Farm, mm. uh, I think uh, at the beginning they used to say all animals are equal, but then they went to something like all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Oof. This is a perfect example because that Federal Reserve um, currency exchange program that you're talking about helps countries like Australia, Brazil, Denmark, Korea, Mexico, Norway, New Zealand, Singapore, and Sweden. And 
you know, the likes of Denmark, Norway, and New Zealand will, will get over 60 billion uh, US dollars to be able to change their currencies into US dollars. Wow, the guys that actually really need uh, these dollars, the likes of South Africa, I guess, uh, Nigeria, maybe a big part of Africa, another oil, you know, uh, manufacturing country will be Angola. They really need those dollars. But they're not in the list. <laughs> Again, going back to George Orwell. So, so who makes it onto the list? I mean, I'm, I'm trying uh, to understand on what, I mean, what, what's the criteria? As I was quoting George Orwell, it's just that it's those relationships, I guess, man. You, you have <laughs> to put, you know, these relationships on a totem pole. And if you're at the bottom, I'm sorry. I thought we were tight, man. I, th- I thought like we we, we <laughs> part of the G20, we're part of all of these platforms. You know, we have a special seat at uh, the Security Council of the UN. I mean, I, th- I thought we were good like that. I don't know, man. You're asking the wrong person when it comes to politics. Yeah. I, I mean, I can only tell you what I know and from the research that I have. Uh, maybe we have to call up Jerome Powell. Maybe we need to call him up and... Uh, and and him, for him. Yeah, 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 I thought we were good, Jerome. <laughs> What's happening here? What's happening? Now, Bulaz, uh, the other story I wanted to take a look at here is uh, today the kickoff of uh, the uh, 200 billion rand loan guarantee. Let's talk about this for a second. We saw a joint statement coming through from the Treasury and the South African Reserve Bank, and uh, they've indicated that their talks with some of the banks organized under the Banking Association uh, have, um, I guess, come through positively here and that uh, this scheme now is set to go ahead. Now, we tried to reach out to some of the banks and they said uh, they'd potentially only speak to us uh, from tomorrow. But um, uh, maybe for some people who might not be familiar with what's happening here, what is the intended objective of this loan guarantee scheme? Yeah, this loan guarantee program or initiative is basically to provide loans um, guaranteed by the government, obviously, to smaller businesses, I guess, and other businesses that are suffering during this current turmoil or pandemic that we're facing, which is the COVID-19. Um, we're talking about somewhere between 100 billion to around 300, sorry, 100 billion to around 200 billion uh, rand so far. And obviously, they look at things like turnover, uh, the staff complements, et cetera, et cetera. That will base basically the interest rates uh, from what I, I, I gathered uh, with my research team, um, the interest rate of you know how much you're going to pay on the scale, or whether you're just going to get this as a, a small anyana, you know, sort of. Um, uh, the, um, English is very hard now. It's it's not a loan, but it's as money that you're being given. Mm, yeah, mm. but that wouldn't be a lot, and that that's only available to sole traders. Yeah. Let's talk about the risk here. I mean, one would think that, you know, this now would sit as a contingent liability uh, on South Africa's balance sheet or SA Inc's balance sheet. But what risk, if any, are some of the banks taking here? Sure. I mean, banks are very good at, you know, uh, making loans. That's what they're good at and collecting loans. But I mean, if the government had to to have, you know, a sustainable program to ensure that, we survive at least a majority of, you know, the businesses that are already surviving. Well, I think we're going to get to a point where we talk about businesses that are not surviving. Um, it, 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 they need to help aid as much as they can to make sure that this blow is not felt, you know, to our, because, I mean, our current stats, you know, in youth unemployment is over 31%. Uh, you know, by the time we blink two months, three months mm. later down the line, we'll be sitting at 50, 60%. And that's not what we, we that's not where we want to get into. This is all to help, uh, you know, cushion the blow of, you know, lockdown specifically. 
But like the last time I spoke to you, uh, the lockdown in South Africa has been a bit more stricter than any other country. And some of those countries that have been hit way more than South Africa, they're still uh, going, you know, having proper plans to open up or they already mm. started opening up uh, for people to actually go outside. Yeah, we still haven't even opened up our own economy. I don't know what's, what's happening in South Africa. There's something we're missing when it comes to business. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's certainly a tough one there, Mbulaz. And maybe before I let you go, uh, uh, I want us to take a look now at, uh, I guess, uh, the business rescue issues. We heard from CIPC uh, that uh, uh, we're seeing some unprecedented numbers there in terms of uh, companies uh, uh, going into business rescue processes. The likes of Comair, uh, Pumelela we saw in the uh, horse racing space, SAA, uh, SA Express, uh, and many others. And uh, also heard, I guess, uh, over the last day or so in one of the reports that uh, uh, there's a massive demand on the back of this, uh, as, as can be expected, for business rescue practitioners. And some of them might be coming in in short supply. Uh, you know, uh, what goes into making a business rescue process successful here, Mbulaz? Because you would have heard uh, a Minister of Public Enterprises, Pravin Gordon, saying, you know, he's at his wit's end about, uh, you know, what uh, the business rescue practitioners in the case of SA actually did. Uh, you know, uh, with the money that was extended to them or even some of the service providers they appointed, what they actually got up to? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the businesses, according to the Companies Act of 2008, um, the businesses that qualify for business rescue are, are those that are most likely not going to meet their debt obligations and maybe, uh, you know, it's it's one that has solvency issues for the next six months or, they, you know, they, they, they won't make it because of, you know, their assets are less than their liabilities, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but going back uh, to, to actually talk about the influx of the number of companies filing for business rescue since the start of lockdown, it's, it's been, you know, unbelievable. Uh, this increases, it's been massive. Like you're saying, we've, we've got the FAAs and, and commerce of the world. But on the other hand, we've got over 150 of these type similar businesses uh, that have you know filed for business rescue um and you have other businesses over 450,000 you know if you thought there was a problem on the in the first hand the first point i made 450,000 of these applications so far from companies wanting to be you know deemed essential service certificate again like i said previously this is basically just red tape that we created when we need we didn't need to because we already know that we're suffering from low unemployment and business volumes are going to come down because of the coronavirus anyway there was no need to shut down the economy and now like you're saying we need more people with these skills and we're surprised that we can't find them in especially in the middle of a pandemic hello it's a for me, it's, a, it's another own goal. This is what South Africa is good at. Bulaz, I'm not my own goal, Baba. I'm not my own goal. It's giving me chest pains. Ay, 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 Baba. Too soon to be talking about chest pains. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Bulaz, let's leave it there, my brother. Always a pleasure catching thank up you, with you. you. And a big thank you to you to, for taking time out to speak to us this evening.